Uh, it's definitely a good rivalry. Um, you know, Tamawashi, it was just uh, dominant on, on the final day and really overpowered Takeyasu. Um, and it was, it was a spectacular victory for him, his second Emperor's Cup at the age of 37. Uh, so it was, it was very impressive. But, um, you know, Takeyasu has now been runner-up, I think, five or six times. And um, unfortunately for him, he just doesn't seem to have the killer instinct um, to, to put it away when he gets that close. But the rivalry between the two is, is definitely a good one. I wouldn't call it um, one of the best ever or one of the best in sumo, but it's, uh, it's definitely a good rivalry. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Japan Forward's Sports Talk Podcast. We're recording live today on Twitter Spaces to a worldwide audience. Thank you for joining us live, or as you pick this up, uh, perhaps in a couple hours or in a couple days. We thank you for joining us to discuss sumo for this upcoming episode. Joining us for today's episode is Jim Armstrong, a veteran sports writer from Canada, who is our our chief sumo reporter covering the last several Basho over the last couple of years. And Jim filed stories every day during the autumn grand sumo tournament, uh, which wrapped up on Sunday with Tamawashi winning the, the big trophy. Jim, uh, have you, have you caught back? Uh, have you gotten some of your energy back from the, uh, the grind of the day-to-day coverage? Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Ed. Um, I really enjoyed the tournament. Uh, it was it was really exciting. Uh, we had some interesting developments, and uh, I'm feeling good. You know, the weather's cooled off here in Tokyo, and uh, it's a good time of year. Yeah, uh, I'm doing okay. I went for a nice walk this afternoon, and um, it was interesting to follow the Basho because there were so many twists and turns upsets early on and you know started sort of hard to see if there was going to be like a two-man race for the title or if Taro Fuji might have a shot at really you know bouncing back and keeping a string of victories in there to make a run at the end but uh we saw that his knees and just his uh his condition was not good enough to maintain it for the two full weeks plus one day um so it, it sort of opened the door for some other guys to you know, push, push for a spot at the top. Did, did this tournament in your view rank up there among the most um, memorable for you in terms of unpredictability? Well, I think it was, it was quite unpredictable. Um, I don't think anyone would have expected Tamawashi and Takeyasu to be fighting for the trophy on the final day. Um, it was pretty obvious early on that there was something wrong with Teruno Fuji. He was losing to some lower-ranked wrestlers uh, early on in the first week of the tournament. He just didn't look uh, his usual dominant self, and there was definitely something wrong with him. And then, sure enough, on uh, on day ten, he uh, pulled out of the tournament with a five and five record. Not jumping, not jumping too far ahead where with our notes here, but since we're talking about Terano Fuji, what what do you think the rest of this year holds for him 
Is it realistic to think he might make a comeback before January? Is it like, what are the odds of knee surgery? What are the odds of just like resting for a few months? What do you see happening based on what you've read and just your analysis of the situation, Jim? Well, I think it's, it's, it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen with him. Um, if he has to undergo surgery on his knees, that very well could be the end of his career. He's already had uh, knee surgery, as you know. Uh, you know, he's 30 years old. And you know as, as well as anybody that um, surgery to the knees can end the career of, of a good athlete uh, well before it's, it's um, well before he's ready to hang it up. So, I mean, if he has to have knee surgery, it could be the end of his career. Um, you know, and he's not a young man. He was never going to be uh, an Ozeki that had a, a, a very long career because he was promoted fairly late in his career. Uh, it was only, what, a, a year ago, a little over a year ago that he was promoted. Uh, he's 30 now. So he, he was never going to have a long career anyway. Um if he doesn't have to have surgery, yeah, maybe he can come back and, and win one, maybe two more cups, uh, Emperor's Cups. But I wouldn't count on him having a long career. Do, do you think he has the uh, persona to become a coach or a sumo elder? Well, I think most wrestlers, uh, when they reach that level – of the sport would like to go on to be a stable master. And, and I, I think certainly he, um, he could go in that direction. Um, he, he certainly owes a lot to the sport and, um, you know, I mean, if he, if he does end up retiring, he's had a good career and he's got what seven emperor's cups and, and that's very respectable. So I could see him going on to something like that. Let's let's switch gears for a moment and talk about the defining match on uh, Sunday. You know, Tamawashi uh, locking locking horns with Takayasu, so to speak. And we see these guys, uh, or we've heard about these guys and their frequent battles as training partners. They they have a real familiarity with each other, and uh, you know. And what's interesting is they are sixteen and sixteen now, head to head records in you know tournament matches. Do you see this as one of the emerging special rivalries, or is this one of the best rivalries in the sport right now, Jim? Uh, it's definitely a good rivalry. Um, you know. Tamawashi, it was just uh, dominant on, on the final day and really overpowered Takeyasu. Um, and it was, it was a spectacular victory for him, his second Emperor's Cup at the age of 37. Uh, so it was, it was very impressive. But, um, you know, Takeyasu has now been runner-up, I think, five or six times. And... Um, Unfortunately for him, he just doesn't seem to have the killer instinct um, to, to put it away when he gets that close. 
but the rivalry between the two is is definitely a good one. I wouldn't call it um, one of the best ever or one of the best in sumo, but it's uh, it's definitely a good rivalry. You know, you just mentioned about Tamawashi winning the title, and at 37 years old in 10 months, he's the oldest Basho winner now in the modern era. So we're talking, what, um, almost 100 years. And I think in an aging society, when, you know, people are at an older age and they accomplish great things or special things, that resonates with a lot of people. Uh, how significant was this title, you think, for him? And just maybe as an inspirational story for society at large in Japan and, you know, across Asia. Well, I think anytime a person, an athlete that age wins a championship, it's, it's inspirational to, to a lot of people. Um, he, the first thing he did when he won was he, he thanked the fans who have supported him. And, uh, you know, he's had a great career and he stays in shape and, um, He's a good family man who takes care of himself, obviously. And I think it was an inspiration to, to many people. And I can, I, speaking for myself, as, as one who's getting a little long in the tooth, I was inspired by it. it. It almost inspired me to go out and run laps around the Imperial Palace. But, I mean, it's good for the sport and uh, it's good for, for anyone over the age of 18 to see a guy like that be so dominant at, at this age. Yeah, I'm going to go off script. I'm going to go off script here for a second and, and throw an impromptu question at you. Who was the youngest wrestler in this tournament that impressed you? If, if something sticks out. Well, I, there were a lot of um, impressive performances in this tournament. Um, the one I was most impressed with was Toby Zaru, um, who's also known as Sumo's Flying Monkey. Um, he, he beat Terunofuji on day two. He beat uh, Ozeki Mitakeyama on day four. Um, and he beat uh, Kiribayama on day 10. So he had a spectacular tournament. Um, he won an award for his uh, performance, and he'll he'll definitely be moving up the ranks when they come when they have the uh, tournament in November. Uh, people are talking about him as possibly a Komasubi, uh, which would make sense because he's a top Maegashira, and that would be the next rank up. Um, but he he was definitely an impressive. Uh, performer in this tournament and uh you know he's he's still quite young at, at age 30 he's he's no spring chicken but he's a type of wrestler that could give sumo a bit of a shot in the arm and he's very popular with the fans he's got a very colorful nickname of course um but also what what do you think has been his progression in the last year or 18 months or so what have you seen him doing better or just um, how has his performance curve picked up? Uh, well, he's, he's sort of been up and down uh, recently. In July, he was uh, eight, five, and two. Uh, in May, he was seven and eight. Uh, in March of 2022, he was nine and six. So, 
he's sort of been up and down recently, but this uh, most recently completed tournament was by far his best performance at 10 and five, and he won the Outstanding Performance Award. So he's got to be uh, a little more consistent going forward. Um, you know, put in some double-digit wins back-to-back uh, -back in back-to-back -back tournaments, and he can further move up the ranks. Uh, I don't think he'll he'll be an Oze, uh, sorry, uh, Yokozuna, but you know, he could be a fine uh, Sekiwake or maybe someday Ozeki. I'm not sure about that though. Switching, uh, switching to another wrestler who I thought had a really strong tournament. Uh, Ryuden went 11 and four and, uh, you know, he was suspended for a while and, and sort of had to make a comeback and work his way back up. Is this sort of like an indication of his ability and really what he should be doing all along, you know, double digit wins and, uh, you know, close to being in contention for a title. Yeah. I mean, he had a great tournament 11 and four. Um, but you got to remember he was not, uh, as a, Number 12, Magashira, he was not wrestling against the uh, the very top wrestlers. Um, you know, he was he was taking on guys like Teretsuyoshi, Takanosho Endo, uh, Koto Eko, uh, Mio Giryu. So he wasn't he wasn't fighting the elite wrestlers. Um, but I mean, there's definitely potential there. And, and I think he can. Uh, he can move up the ranks. He was the judo division champion in July of this year with a 12 and three record. So there's a lot of potential there for him. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point you just made about, you know, the strength of the opponent. So sometimes, yeah, the records are a little inflated if you compare them with other guys who are fighting tougher opponents. That's right. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he was impressive. There's no doubt about that. Um, some of the other wrestlers who were impressive, uh, Nishiki Fuji was 10 and five as a Maegashira number 10. It was a very strong tournament for him. Um, Kiribayama, the Komusubi was nine and six. He had a good tournament, uh, no doubt about that. And then, you know, you look at uh, Sekiwake, his name is hard to say, but Wakataka Kage. He had a very good tournament, uh, finishing at 11 and four. And this is a guy who lost his first three bouts. And people were saying, oh no, what, what's, what's going on here? This is the guy who won the March tournament. Um, he's been touted as a, a future star of the sport. And he lost his first three tournaments in the September Basho, but then he came back and he really impressed, losing only one, uh, one more bout the rest of the way. You just brought up March and Wakataka Kage. Well, let, let's um, look at May for a minute there and recall that Ichinojo won the tournament in May. And in this tournament, he was 6-9. and nine. How big of a disappointment was that for the Japan Sumo Association, especially considering that... Um, there were no Fuji pulled out. Yeah, it was a bit of a disappointment. Um, Ichinojo looked so good in uh, in the July tournament when he went twelve and three to win um, to win the championship. 
which was his first championship, of course. Um, but remember, he took the May tournament off uh, because of a COVID uh, outbreak at his stable. So when he went into July, he was well-rested. Um, obviously, in September, he didn't, he didn't have the same uh, strength that he had in July. And, uh, you know, he's not in the greatest of condition. So it wasn't really that much of a shock that he wasn't able to put together back-to-back championships. Um, you know, this is a guy who weighs 212 kilograms. So, you know, stamina is not his strong suit. But going, going, going nine and six was, was a disappointment for sure. Thanks for correcting me about May to July there with Ichinojo. But let me just point out that he was six and nine, not nine and six. Six and nine in September. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you know, you were following the tournament a little more closely than I was day to day. And seeing the media reports and seeing the video footage and the TV highlights, how would you say the opening up of, of Japan with COVID restrictions, you know, as they loosen up, how did you sense the fan vibe was at the tournament? Was it was it better than July, Jim? Uh, I think it was it was better. July they opened it up. Um, there was more or less a full house down in Nagoya, and then here in Tokyo there was pretty much a full house at Yogoku, and and it was it was good to see the fans back in the uh, in the arena um, enjoying the sumo. Um, and I think with Japan opening up even more, you know, there's going to be more tourists coming back and they'll be going for tours of stables, uh, which, you know, tourists from overseas love to do. So it'll, it'll be, I think things will be a lot brighter for sumo going forward. Um, having said that, there are some definite problems. I mean, the two Ozeki uh, really had dismal performances in this tournament going me, Takayumi, and Shodai both going 4 and 11. Now, Takakesho, the other Ozeki, went 10 and 5, which is a good result. But having the other two Ozeki perform so poorly is a definite problem for Sumo, and that's something that they're going to have to figure out. Uh, Mitakeyumi will be demoted in November. Uh, Shodai is, is relegation threatened, meaning he needs to post a winning record. So there's, there's some definite problems there at the Ozeki rank. How difficult is it of a, you know, from a management standpoint to promote the sport and, you know, also sort of have a strict line between sort of, you know, honoring tradition or honoring the rankings there and, you know, not, not adjusting the rules too frequently. I think it's sort of a difficult balancing act where you want the promotion to be strong. You want to promote the top wrestlers, but you also want to hold them accountable for not reaching a certain level of a standard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of sumo's in a tough position right now. I mean, the sport really, what the sport really needs is, is a Japanese wrestler to emerge and to move up to the Yokozuna ranks. I mean, that would give the sport a real shot in the arm, but that hasn't happened for a long time. Um, there are some wrestlers who perhaps could do that in the next couple of years, like Waka Takakage. He, he's looking pretty good. 
Um, if he was to become an Ozaki and then maybe a Yokozuna, I think it would give the sport a real shot in the arm here. Whether or not that can happen, uh, I don't know. Um, there are also some uh, Mongolian wrestlers who could move up the ranks to uh, to Yokozuna at some point. But it, it's always been difficult uh, for sumo these days, really. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the young kids in Japan, they want to be soccer players or they want to be baseball players. There's not a lot of them out there that want to go into sumo. And, um, you know, when you have Mongolians winning every tournament, that also doesn't help, right? I think that's those are all fair points. And uh, I don't think you're the only one holding those viewpoints, Jim. Um, in addition, you know, one thing that I've thought about that I don't think the traditionalists would like, but suppose a wrestler is basically asked to compete only five times a year rather than six. Uh, as a way of sort of helping them reduce the wear and tear of competition. Would this help to long, you know, uh, lengthen careers and would it help to uh, reduce injuries a bit? And would there be ever be any support for that kind of concept where you're sort of given a rotational, uh, you know, six weeks off, like one, one of the six boss show, you can sort of be assigned off one of them. Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea. I've never I've never thought of that really. Um, it's it's certainly a possibility, but sumo is is pretty tradition bound, and um, you know it's, it's the thinking of of the uh, people at the JSA is pretty old school. So I don't know if you're going to get much sympathy for a, a proposal where you would be giving wrestlers time off. I, I just personally I can't see that. I guess it also falls into the, 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 the fact that people are paying, you know, good money for tickets and uh, the fans certainly have their favorites. And um, if they buy tickets in advance and, you know, really hope to see X, Y, and Z wrestlers, they, there might be some backlash. Yeah, that's true. People, you know, travel from all over Japan to see their favorite wrestling. If they were to go to the, uh, Kyushu Basho and and somebody was out. It wouldn't. It's it's not really a good look. So, before we get to the final question I have for you, I wanted to point out that uh, Japan Forward tomorrow will be publishing an editorial from the Sankei Shinbun that sort of takes stock at the Ozeki situation and the rankings and and sort of analyzes the tough spot that the sport is in, where guys that are not performing up to level, Shodai, Mitakeyumi, and you know, the tradition bound uh, rules in place that guys do get demoted. And, um, you know, what's at stake here in the next couple of months? I think it's a thought provoking piece and we'll be publishing this tomorrow on Japan forward. Uh, Jim, for our final uh, topic of, of this episode, looking ahead to November and the Kyushu Basho in Fukuoka, what are a couple general thoughts or predictions that you have in place that, um, you think really might be the highlights there? Well, I think, first of all, what I'm going to be looking for is uh, Tamawashi. You know, can he, uh, he went 13 and two this time and, and won the Emperor's Cup at 37, his second Emperor's Cup. 
can he do that again? Um, especially, you know, if Tara Nofuji is not going to be there, it'll be interesting to see what Tamawashi can do. Maybe he can put together back-to-back championships, and and that would be a great story. He's going to turn 38 uh, next month. So for a 38-year-old to win the uh, championship would be quite an achievement. Um, Then there's Takayasu. You know, he's been runner-up so many times. Could this finally be the tournament where he he wins his first – his first title. And that certainly would be exciting to see. And I know a lot of his fans would like to see that. He's a a native of Ibaraki prefecture and there's a lot of sumo fans there and and they would love to see him win his first championship. And then you've got Toby Zato. He'll be fighting probably as a Komusubi. Um, He certainly excites the fans with his uh, dynamic brand of sumo, it'll be great to see what he can do in, uh, in Kyushu. Um, Wakataka Kage had a great tournament, 11-4. and four. Uh, He'll definitely be wanting to um, continue that momentum going as he pursues possible promotion to Ozeki. Um, if he has another great tournament in Kyushu... More and more people will be talking about him as a uh, potential Ozeki, especially with Mitakeumi and Shodai struggling so much. The sport will be eager to get somebody into those ranks. And Wakataka Kage's brother, Wakamoto Haru, he went 10-5 and five in uh, September as a Maegashira number six. He was also very impressive. I'd look for him to have another strong tournament in November and to continue moving up the ranks. Jim, I appreciate your daily insights um, in your reporting and also on our broadcast today. Um, Thank you for sharing your commentary with, with listeners. And we look forward to more and more of it coming up in the November Basho. Yeah, well, thank you, Ed. It was great to be with you, and uh, I enjoyed the tournament in September, and I'm really looking forward to uh, November, the last tournament of the year. So uh, hope to do this again real soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for today's Twitter Spaces, Japan Forward Sports Talk. Please follow sports coverage on japanforward.com and on our sister website, Sports Look. And please follow us on social media. And please spread the word about our coverage. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.